0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Our scripture is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Amen. Thank you, David. And thank you, worship team. I love that song. I just imagine the angels, right, uh, standing on or leaning over the parapet of heaven, looking at that tomb where Jesus is laying, and then at that moment when Jesus comes bursting forth, and they roar with praise and adoration. Well, Peter starts the final part of his letter. We're at the home stretch today, two more Sundays after this, and we will finish, Lord willing, we will finish this book. But we never finish the book, right? We continue to study it. We continue to learn from it. But in this section, we're going to talk about his encouragement to elders. Next week, we're going to, we're going to talk about his encouragement to the whole flock to hum, be humble in submitting to one another, uh, clothe yourselves with humility, that humility is the defining mark of a Christian that's going to make everything work better in the church. And then the last Sunday, we will look at his encouragement to us to stand firm against the schemes and the wiles of the devil. We do have an enemy. He hates us. He wants to destroy us and to make the church... Uh, uh, irrelevant in the culture today. So we're going to see what Peter says to us about that. But let's look at today's encouragement under three main points. What elders are and do, how elders serve, and why elders serve. Encouragement for elders. So first, what elders are and do. Notice the first word Peter starts with is so. That's another word that's like likewise. It's like therefore so. Because of what I've said before, he said, so do this, right? I'm exhorting the elders because of the sufferings of Christ. I witnessed those and I partaker in the glory. I'm one of those and so are you. That goes back to chapter 4, verse 13. We looked at that last week where Peter says, but rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So Peter's reminding them, yes, you're suffering. You're sharing Christ's suffering, and that's a good thing because it, it it reminds you of the glory that comes. Paul said in Romans 8:17, he says, the, the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that is prepared for us. And that's a wonderful promise. And so Peter's saying. Because of that, he said, I'm standing alongside of you. I'm coming to exhort you. The word there means to stand alongside or to call someone alongside so you can encourage them, so you can pour strength into them. That's what encourage means. I'm giving you strength for this task to which you have been called because it is so important for the church today. He says, look, I'm a fellow elder. I'm not coming from on high Peter is an apostle, but he's not speaking down to these men. He's speaking into them as a fellow elder. He says, as an apostle, I saw the suffering of Christ, and as an elder, I'm charged, just like you are, with the precious and important work of of taking care of the flock. This is an appeal, it's an encouragement that's intended to produce a particular effect. Peter's desire, more than anything else, and I think we've seen this through the whole book, is that these elect, elect exiles will not give in and they will not give up in the midst of suffering. They will endure, endure to the end because of the promise that Christ has given us that we are already victorious, that they will not give in, that they will not conform to the culture, that they will not be like the, the way they were in the past. They will not go back to the sins of their past, but they would endure to the very end. And Peter knows here that when it comes to the health and flourishing of a local body of Christ, as we are here, much depends on the faithfulness of the elders. But I would add quickly, Peter knows that all depends, all depends on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, the elders or the saints who walk with the elders, the members, cannot walk in love So what are elders? Peter uses three different Greek words here to describe the calling, the the people who are called to work as elders. The first word is presbyteros, and it simply means older or mature, right? And the first mention of elders is interesting. The first mention of a presbytery, if you will, to use the Presbyterian term, their council of elders is called the presbytery. We just call our guys elders, right? We get together uh, and talk. But, but the first mention of that is in, is in Acts 11, 29, 30. Remember, Agabus had said, he prophesied, there's going to be a worldwide famine. And so the, the people there in Judea, or the, the brothers who were with Agabus in Antioch, said, let's send some relief to the brothers in Judea, specifically the church in Jerusalem. That's where the first church was. And who were the elders who received that gift at the hand of Barnabas and Saul? Well, they were the apostles. So the first elders of the first church in Jerusalem were the apostles. Okay, And they were a, a plurality of elders. More on that later. And then we, we see that elders lead and feed the church, but they also rule. He said, let the elders who rule, that literally means to stand before, who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So elders are not just older and mature in fact, they don't have to be older. They just have to be mature or maturing, right? There's a process there. But they have to also be helpful in laboring in uh, teaching and uh, preaching. As you see there, there seems to be, uh, okay, there are some elders who rule and, and others who rule and they labor in preaching and teaching. All do not preach, all do not teach, but all are able to, First Timothy 3 says, are able to teach. So they feed the church. They do some of the preaching and teaching ministry. That was a ministry that, it is a ministry that's central to the life of a local expression of the church. Just as it was central to Jesus' life. Jesus didn't come primarily as a healer. He came as a savior. But what did he spend most of his time doing? Teaching, discipling, building up those who would be the foundation of the church. And the elders do that work as well as a team. Not one man, but a plurality. And again, I've told you this before, but Acts 14, 23 is a, an essential understanding, passage to understand here. Paul and Barnabas have been for a year on a missionary journey, their first missionary journey. And they planted churches. Well, how do they do that? Well, they shared the gospel. People got saved. And so they started a church. They gathered churches in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, other another, a different Antioch. And now... A year later, they're coming back through those same cities, all right? It's just one year later, and it says in Acts 14, 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Notice they appointed elders, plural, in every church, singular. So the first churches that were planted by the first missionary apostles, uh, well, Paul was an apostle, were, were, were led by a plurality of elders. That is the New Testament model for church leadership. We talked about that this summer before we got into 1 Peter. So the first word, Presbyteros, and then the second word Paul, Peter uses is poemino, and this is one who, who leads or shepherds the flock. He says in verse 2, The elders shepherd the flock. It's a word there to use for those who take care of sheep. They they lead the sheep. They feed the sheep. They guard the sheep, right? They take care. They they nurture the sheep when they're injured. And that's what uh, shepherds are called to do in the body of Christ. It's interesting. Paul used that same word in Ephesians 4.11. Remember that passage where he says that these gifts were given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which is the same word as pastor, poemen. It's the, it's the noun version of that verb version of what elders are supposed to do. As shepherds, lead, feed, protect, care for the body of Christ. In fact, Paul told the uh, men he was weeding, meeting with, remember he met with the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he's on his way to Jerusalem where he'll be arrested and he will eventually be executed years later. But He says to the elders, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the third word, episkopos, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. (laughs) How important is the church? As important as Jesus' blood, as important as Jesus' death, right? Jesus died for the church. We talked about that this morning. The sovereignty of the Lord had us studying the church this morning, as Janelle led us in that that book, in the theology book we're studying. and, And we're looking at elders this morning and the church as well. So Jesus died for the church, and so Paul says, hey, look out for yourselves, elders, and look out for this church because, because Christ died for this church. The church is as precious as the blood of Jesus to him. So that leads us to that third word, and, and that is uh, episkopos. Uh, the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Verse 2, you see that in verse 2 of chapter, of chapter 5, exercising oversight. That's episcopeo. That's the verb form of a noun that Paul uses to greet the church in Philippi. In fact, in Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, people say, how do we know elders and deacons are kind of like the offices of the church? Well, we don't know specifically, but I mean, there, there's never a place where Paul says, and now this is who are the officers in the church. But in Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, it's interesting. He starts that letter by saying to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, Episcopos, and deacons, (diakonos), And so what we see there is the elders were overseers. We see Paul identifying the two offices as overseers who lead and feed and care for and exercise oversight for the sake of the spiritual health of the body. Elders are the ones who care primarily about the spiritual health of the body, which includes relational health, which includes taking care of you know, finances and things like that as well. But, but primarily, we're mostly concerned with, hey, we want everybody here to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the deacons are called to serve and to administrate and to do things uh, that will also work for the health and flourishing of the body. Both are necessary, and they work as a team to, to help the church grow. Now, let's talk about how, how elders serve. You know, when Jesus restored Peter in Acts uh, John chapter 21, Peter had, had uh, fallen from grace, right? He had denied the Lord three times. Jesus told him, you're going to do it. Peter said, not me, I'll die first. He denied Jesus three times. So, so Jesus gathers Peter at the, at the seashore by a charcoal fire, just as where same place where he had, or same location in front of a charcoal fire where he had denied him. And He tells him three things. He said, Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And I think Peter may have been remembering that when he's writing this passage because he's remembering, hey, this is my primary responsibility as an elder. This is the primary responsibility of the elders of the church, to feed the lambs, to tend the sheep, and to feed the sheep. Well, what does he say specifically? First, he says, elders serve by taking care of the ones whom God has given them. Shepherd, the flock, the flock. That is among you. Now, like any honest shepherd, elders don't go out and rustle up sheep from other pastures. Hey, you want to come over to our pasture? We got it going on at Antioch. I don't know what you're doing over there at first whatever church, but <laughs> you need to be with us. That's not the job of an elder. The elder does not try to entice sheep from other pastures and other folds from other elders to come and join with them. Please don't ever do that. We want to encourage people who are not churched. People who are are not even Christians, we want to get them saved and we want to get them uh, to Antioch if this is the right place for them. But we don't want to rustle sheep. I think that's still against the law somewhere. We're to tend to the sheep God sends to this flock. God sends them. Now, listen, I'm going to expand here because I think this is an argument for church membership. Right? Right? Church membership requires a decision and a commitment by a family or by an individual to say, this is the place God has called me to. I We know that. We've been here long enough. We've gone through the new members class. We understand. We want to put ourselves in this body with our fellow believers and under the leadership of the elders. That's a decision and a commitment that I think is very important because otherwise shepherds are having a hard time knowing all right, this sheep's here right now, but I mean, how long is he going to be here? I don't see any commitment. I don't see any level of, hey, you can count on me and I'm under the authority of the elders. I'm going to go even out on a limb here, step on some toes and say, I think this is also, wake up if you are asleep here, this is an argument for home groups because it's difficult for elders to shepherd sheep who are on the move or who are missing in action sometimes. So I want to encourage you again that home groups are a place where you can be in a smaller group on a weekly basis with people and do life with, get to know them, hear how they're struggling, how to pray for them. How can you pray for the church? How can you pray for the elders? And it's also an opportunity for the elders to have that ministry with you in your life. Now look, I know there are extenuating circumstances, and if you're in one of those extenuating circumstances, then God bless you. We hope you'll get out of that soon. But if you're just choosing not to do uh, home group because it's, it's, it's difficult or it's, you know, hey, look, I'm the first one to tell you, I'd much rather, when I come home from work on, on Wednesday and I, I eat supper, I want to stay home. Yeah, hello, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have to make myself go to home group sometimes. And Cindy keeps saying, yeah, but you're the pastor, you got to go. And I, <laughs> no, we both sometimes say, wouldn't it be nice just to stay home tonight and chill, you know, and not have to do anything? But we always are thankful that we went and, and we, we, we see the benefits of that. Okay, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox there. You've heard this before. Second, elders are to serve willingly, not under compulsion, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Look, elders do not become elders because their wives or their best friends say, Dude, you should be an elder. Really? You think so? I mean, I don't really want to be an elder. Oh, no, no, no. Your wife, your wife says, yeah, you should be an elder. And so you kind of sign up for the job and you come and talk to the elders about being one. No, it doesn't work that way. First Peter, the First Timothy 3. Paul says, if any man desires the work of a bishop or an elder, same, it's the same word, he desires a good work. There has to be a desire there. And God puts that in some men to, to do that, and in others he does not. I understand that. But you serve, not unwillingly, but willingly. Neither do you serve for money. Some elders are paid. I'm an elder who gets paid. But I'm not serving for money. I'm serving because God has called me to do this. And we serve willingly and eagerly. You know, I wonder sometimes why why Peter puts that in there. But I don't wonder why Peter puts it in there. I wonder sometimes why it's hard for us to understand that, right? Because... We're not being persecuted as believers. We're not being dragged out of this church on a regular basis. Every Sunday, the Gestapo comes and drags some of us out just to make an example to the rest of the flock. Hey, you're going to talk about Jesus in this place. There are consequences. You're going to pay those consequences. It doesn't happen here, but it happens around the world, right? And it happened in Peter's day. And he was talking to elders in churches where they were not safe where the persecution was ramping up. And he knew in the spirit, I guess the Lord had told him, it's going to get worse, not better. He'd already told Peter how he was going to die. He was going to be led away to a place you don't want to go. So, you know, when, when, when you're in a place where conversion is illegal, where baptism can bring a death sentence, that brings a whole different set of challenges. And they needed to hear this. But look. Even here, where we are relatively safe, any sincere shepherd of Christ's flock will feel the weight of the responsibility of spiritual leadership of that flock. It's a heavy responsibility. And so Peter says, hey elders, I'm with you. I'm I'm encouraging you. Don't give up. Don't stop. Because the church is depending on you. And lean into that eagerly. Third, we see elders don't domineer the flock, but they serve as examples to the flock. They don't drive the sheep. In fact, I love this quote from Edmund Clowney. They serve as examples to the flock. He said, "Elder shepherds are not cowboys driving their flocks like cattle. They lead them as a shepherd would, walk, would walking on ahead. Elders must be men, and I say this with trembling as all elders should, Who could say with Paul to the church, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. If we're examples to the flock, that's exactly what that means. Hey, elders, we should be able to say to the church, walk as I walk. Do any elders walk perfectly? Everybody said, no, not even close. But we have a standard, we have a calling on our lives It means we're serious about following Jesus, and we are, to the best of our ability, by the grace of God that He gives us day by day, we're walking with transparency and openness and honesty about our weaknesses and also pursuing the Lord with all of our might. And notice again, Peter says here in verse 3, take care of those in their charge, elders take care of those in their charge. It's an interesting word here that I've really no, never understood until this week when I studied it. I may, be, may still not understand it, but the word that he used there is lot, in their charge, in their lot. And it refers to the Roman and Jewish practice of making decisions sometimes by casting lots, <laughs> right? So, so you've got a group of people and they're trying to see who's gonna get this prize or who's gonna go first or whatever. They put their lot and their lot might be a stone Or something else, a block of wood that has their emblem on it, you know. And they put it into this container and they shake it vigorously and then they turn it upside down. And the first one that comes out, well, that's the lot that is chosen. You get the prize or you have to go and, you know, martyr yourself or whatever. But that's the lot. So it seems to me what Peter is saying here is that elders cannot choose their flock God has chosen their flock for them. He's given them their lot. And it's their job to tend that flock and to love and to care for and to protect and defend and feed and shepherd that flock to the end. And it's sad to me that the model we most often see in the United States and and probably a lot of places around the world, but I know it's true in the United States. I've seen the statistics, is that most churches in the United States have a solo pastor, with no elders, and that solo pastor, in a, on average, stays in that church for two to three years. And then he says, mm, I think I'm going to go see if that lot over there will suit me better, because they're a little bit bigger, they probably pay a little bit better, and now it's not always that way. I'm, I'm throwing all these pastors under the bus, and I shouldn't do that. But a lot of times, I think it's not a commitment to, God, this is, my, this is what you've chosen for me, and I'm going to try to get other men to help me with this because the Bible says plurality of elders very clearly. And I'm going to stay here and shepherd this church unless, until I know you've called me to go somewhere else. Not just because, boy, it'd be a lot more fun, a lot more convenient if I could go serve that church because they got a lot more people. No, we don't get to choose. That's up to the Lord. I think sometimes people are looking for their reward here on earth by serving as a pastor or as an elder. But that's not where the greatest reward comes. And that leads us to the last point, why elders serve. in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I mean, there's nothing really more that needs to be said there, right? But there's more I can say, so I will. First Peter reminds... First Peter... I got your hopes up, didn't I? First Peter... first Peter... Not first, comma. Peter... Reminds us that Jesus is coming back, right? The 20, he's reminding the first century church and he's reminding the 21st century church that our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, as Hebrews, Hebrews calls him, is coming back, praise God. And angels will roar and so will we. The chief shepherd. You know, and on that day, you know who's going to rejoice the loudest, I think? Elders. Because, hey, when the chief shepherd's back, we don't have to shepherd anymore. We don't, I should say that, we don't get to shepherd anymore. But our burden is taken because he doesn't need help. Not in heaven. And we'll have responsibilities in heaven, all of us will. But I don't think we'll be be submitted to elders in heaven. We'll be all submitted to our bridegroom, Christ. So it'll be great rejoicing. But we'll also have to give an account. I'm not exactly sure how this works because I know there's no punishment for Christians in heaven. Don't let people tell you that there, there, there is. In fact, come next week and hear Brad teach about the last chapter in the book, Theology of uh, You Are a Theologian. But Christians are not going to be punished in heaven. We will receive rewards according to the work that we have done, but we will not be punished. But... We will clearly have to give an account as elders. When does that happen and how does that happen? I don't know, but here's the encouragement to you, flock. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. As I've said to you before, Your job is you want to have happy elders and not grumbling and and complaining and tired and weak elders. And you have a large part to play in that by submitting to us if we're asking you to do biblical things and not submitting to us if we ever ask you to do things that are not biblical. That's where you confront and rebel. But we haven't come to that place yet at Antioch and by God's grace we want. But I don't know what that means. They will have to give an account. When is that and where is that? I remember Alistair Begg saying, you know, it's just not fair. He said, You want to be a CPA? We have any CPAs in here? Who are the CPAs? Ben, ben Duck is not here. So, uh, David Bainbridge. So, you took all the tests, right? And then you became a CPA. You can start doing your work. You did the test. You passed the test. You got to be a CPA. Medical doctors, Joe Ott, uh, Mark Kemp, others, you did the medical thing. You went through medical school and then you got to practice. You passed the boards. And then you get to do the thing and make the big bucks. Right, Joey? Making the big bucks? All right? Hello? No? Okay. And the same with uh, contractors. Tom Southern, you became a contractor after you passed a test. You had to pass that. It was a rigorous test. But, elders, we do all the work. We do all the work. And then we have to pass the test at the end. (laughs) It's just not fair. It's not right. But whatever that means, guys, we have to give an account. The writer of Hebrews was primarily saying that to the church. So here's how you should live in regard, with regard to the elders because they have, they have to give an account for how they led you. So make it, make it a joy for them. Third, he's coming back. Second, um, second, when the chief shepherd appears, he will give the unfading crown of glory to faithful elders. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But to receive anything from the Lord Jesus is all of grace, and anything we elders have done or ever will do is all of grace. That's why Paul said, I am what I am by the, what? Grace of God. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Go ahead. I am. And by the way, Lest you think that only elders get crowns, I'll call your attention. Just write this down, 2 Timothy 4.8. And Paul says, there's waiting for me a crown of glory. Not, not of glory, of, what's the crown in 2 Timothy 4.8? Crown of righteousness, I think. But then he says, and to all those who long for his appearing. In other words, everyone who's living faithful in Christ Jesus, looking forward to him coming back, longing for his appearing, will receive a crown. What would that be like? We can't imagine it. I mean, compared to anything that you could earn on heaven, on earth, any prize, any whatever bonus you could get, this pales in comparison to Jesus Christ Himself giving you a crown of righteousness or a crown of glory. But the third thing is, I know what any of us will do with a crown. Revelation 4. says, the 24 elders fall down before him who's seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So the question we end with was, how could we ever wear a crown standing before the one who wore the crown of thorns for us? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word to us this morning about the church in our class this morning and about elders in this service. And we know, Lord, that none of us men who serve as elders here at Antioch are um, worthy of that responsibility. None of us are equal to the task. None of us deserves to be an elder. But Lord, by your grace, You've called us to that responsibility. And by your grace, you've given us a joy in serving the church in that way. And by your grace, you've given the church a joy in receiving leadership from us and praying for us and, and imitating our faith. And we know that some of them have greater faith than we do, so we imitate theirs as well. But we're, Lord, we're thankful for the good work that you're doing here. And we pray that that work would continue, that you would continue to encourage the elders, as Peter has encouraged us this morning, coming alongside to exhort us uh, to take care of the flock, the shepherd, the flock that is here with us. And Lord, as you continue to add to this flock according to your will, that we make our arms reach wider, a lot further, and our 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 strength grow stronger, equal to the task. And and we will look forward to all that you will do with that in Jesus' name. amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about Mark and the books he's written, go to jmarkfox.com.